Welcome everyone to the Iron Fist podcast by Fantastic Geek. We are the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. Happy season two. I share. I brought cronuts. I could have kept them all to myself. The Iron Fist podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 201, The Fury of Iron Fist, is brought to you by Royal Al Moving, giving barefoot billionaires the opportunity to start over since 2017. Uh, Here we are, Pete. We are back for Iron Fist season two. The Whoa, whoa, whoa. We? Like, we're all back? Well, Pete, you know who's not back is series creator Scott Buck not getting the executive producer run by, written by, credit this time. Getting the created by, and Pete, it's going to be okay. There's no more Scott Buck around. Yes, and that new credit font lets us know that uh, executive producer M. Raven Metzner is on the job here and all the better for it time to step inside the dojo and deconstruct this episode a ying yang wonton delivery service truck blocks an armored mott security truck on the street before it's brutally hijacked by members of the golden tiger gang killing three security guards in the process. A masked vigilante, however, appears in the street and motions for the hijacked truck to stop before it floors it and the vigilante sidesteps the speeding truck and uses his fist to demolish the engine. Surrounded by assailants, the vigilante summons the power of the iron fist and punches the street ending the threat at home in the former Chicaro dojo Colleen wing is hard at work on a USCIS I 485 permanent citizenship application form for Dion Diana Sai when Danny Rand arrives home with Chinese takeout Colleen sees the carnage Danny wrought out on the streets but he explained they didn't react well to please. He said that the other night, though, when he knocked the back wall out of a nightclub. He's just trying to keep the peace, but situations, they happen. Colleen has left all that behind, though, at the community center. A dapper Davos hits the docks controlled by Mr. Yang, where they're expecting to receive a shipment but Yang shakes Davos down for a new price of $4 million or the shipment won't clear customs. Davos warns him not to raise the price again or Yang, his wife, and his business will suffer. Danny now works for Royal Al Moving with Albert, who fears the brewing war between the Asian triad gangs as the Golden Tigers have intruded into hatchet gang territory. At the center, Colleen helps Diana with her citizenship costs and gets her daughter, Lana, a winter coat 
when she finds a peculiar and recently donated box bearing her family crest containing a set of combs. She asks Ethan for the information about who donated it. As Albert makes time with an attractive woman to give her directions, Danny makes the acquaintance of Mary from Wisconsin before he gets a call from Rand Enterprises. Colleen visits Frank Cho's furniture looking for the mysterious donor, but the shop's been closed a few weeks. She's instead directed to Choi's cousin, Henry Yip's Silver Lotus Restaurant. Colleen finds Mr. Yip being threatened for protection money and scares off the teenage thugs. However, he denies Choi is his cousin. Ward Meacham and Danny are summoned to a mysterious meeting by Joy, who's back in town and wants a considerable severance package. Ward protests, but Danny and his 51% shareholder weight comply. Mary arrives at her apartment only to find a pair of sticky notes that trigger a panic attack before she sits on the bathroom floor laughing. Colleen shares the mon or come on box discovery with Danny and explains how it triggered a memory from Japan of her mother, the only person who never threw her away from when she was four or five years old. At a sobriety meeting, Ward doesn't even make it through the serenity prayer. His sponsor, Bethany, asks what's wrong, and he admits he wants to be able to change the things that he can't before he rendezvous with the worst sponsor ever in a custodial closet. Joy is celebrating when Davos comes to see her and explains how terribly she feels after she's done to Danny and Ward what she did. Davos is filled with nothing but contempt for the city. Out to dinner at the Silver Lotus, Danny and Colleen witness the kids she thwarted earlier enter and proceed to the kitchen to attack Mr. Yip. The restaurant's hosts summon the Golden Tigers. However, uh, Danny stalls them as Colleen cleans up in the kitchen. A grateful Mr. Yip tells Colleen Choi is hiding from the Tigers, whom he owes money. On the way home, Davos confronts Danny and asks him to walk with him alone. They fight down by the river before Davos leaves with his questions answered. He confesses to Joy he has wavered too with what they have planned, but now they're both resolved to repay Danny. Danny returns home and thinks he catches Colleen asleep, so he ventures into the East Broadway F train subway station and beats the crap out of a door. Sparring partners. Let's take a look at who Danny faced off against in this episode. Pete, let's start with those dastardly golden tigers. They with the axes and the pointy ends to the axes and all those, uh, all those dastardly moves. They are uh, great, Matt as all tigers are, but I think it's a really interesting direction to go in. Not only do we have the Yang clan with their hatchets, we've got this other rival gang now going into the Yang clans 
territory, an aggressor, uh, this uh, armored truck heist foiled at the beginning to, to breed this real sense of, um, you know, conflict. Danny took on the mission that Daredevil had taken on himself with Matt Murdock, you know, appearing dead at the end of the Defenders. And sorry, no spoiler alert, but if you haven't gotten through Defenders at this point, why are you here? And, uh, yeah, we see him living this out as he's uh, keeping the streets clean at the beginning of season two here. The Golden Tigers do represent uh, a a perfectly fine kind of uh, initial force of badness and whatnot. I do somewhat call into question their use, though. Uh, I think back to prior Marvel Netflix seasons, uh, you know, where, you know, it's it's the reputation of Kilgrave, or people dare not speak uh, about the Kingpin, the triumphant return to New York for Bushmaster, and things of that sort. Who's the villainous person in this episode? I guess the kind of largely unremarkable Golden Tigers, or maybe it's Davos who's going to do dastardly things in the future, or some of the other people on this list, but there's kind of no... There's no bad guy bad gal villain really revving up this episode ordinarily that would be okay pete but i am kind of on guard if i can mix my uh mix my my martial arts here i'm on guard for danny bland for the the slow running season particularly out of iron fist even with bad bad scott buck gone so a little finger wag there at the golden tigers well given that scott buck was the third biggest villain in the Marvel cinematic universe behind Thanos and Loki. There's a, there's a power vacuum, Matt, and uh, Davos is trying to fill it at this point. Um, But he presents a really interesting villain. If indeed we can call him and joy in this episode villains, um, He believes he has the birthright of the Iron Fist. She believes that she should have a place in Rand and her entire life was shot to hell by Danny returning to New York. So, you know, writing good, believable villains always stems from making them not the mustache twirling type of villains, but the villains who believe they are righteous and they are justified in their actions. It's just hard in this episode alone to look at them and say, he's a villain, she's a villain. Certainly, I'm glad to not have the mustache twirling villain. Davos, of course, has no mustache. We just determine his villainy by the fact that he he skulks around at night he has a British accent. He says incredibly serious things without any change of, of tonality. I don't mean to suggest that he is monotone, but rather there's not a joke thrown in there or any levity or anything else other than, I am deadly serious. Um, so mustache twirling, perhaps not, but I, I would have liked a little more complexity with the character that we've already met, no less. I think it's building. I think the mystery at this point, you know, hides largely that villainy. And then with Joy, 
you know, or who I'm calling in my notes here, uh, sexy joy, because they gave her the haircut and now they're they're dressing her in black all the time. And that's how um, they're they're really looking to portray her. Uh, She is conflicted. Danny is so gosh darn kind to her about this golden parachute, whereas her brother wants it vetted and wants to uh, bury it in delays. No, he thinks it's the right thing to do and we're going to do it now. And she confesses she can't even look him in the eye after that kindness. So there's good seemingly in both of them. Yeah, it, it, it will be interesting to see how the two of them interact as the season rolls out. Uh, I'm glad to have Joy back. You know, some of the some of the um, criticisms that we had of the characters, nay, of the first season, were discover uh, were, were discussed in the first season, and no need to circle back to that. I will take uh, I will take the Meacham children here returned to get an interesting you know, chapter two on them, uh, particularly with all these changes made in between seasons. Um, and also not for nothing, it's kind of pretty good storytelling. I mean, Danny is kind of her, you know, her de facto, uh, stepbrother, adopted brother, however you want to want to put it. He's like family, uh, Ward is family and here she wants to betray family, uh, or go against them or whatever. I mean, that is the makings of many, many a tale. So, um, We'll give we'll give season two some levity and see where they head. And then in Mr. Yang, somebody we had in the first season uh, on the opposite side of Danny, who he actually aligned with. And then in uh, season two of Luke Cage, kind of in that, uh, you know, triumvirate of the uh, uh, Italian uh, mob and the other groups within New York City, somebody we've come to see before and now uh, with, again, that vacuum kind of believing that he can muscle in on areas he's not meant to. This is one of the real, real strengths of Marvel Netflix where you have uh, a character like that and an actor like that so readily available. Um, you know, there's just that that interwovenness where it's not, you know, the Yang Chronicles or it's not, oh, my goodness, you need to see him in his, you know, star turning role in Defenders and then to really understand his motivations in uh, Punisher and then to, you know, follow him. It's not that complex, but to just be like, oh, my goodness, it's that guy again. It's Yang. It really, really adds. Pete, it's a word we've used nonstop for this Marvel Netflix conglomerate here but it adds to the authenticity of everything that we see time to focus our chi and look inside this episode pete here's an easy one down the middle my goodness pete will we get any characters from any of the other netflix shows will we see i don't know uh simone mystics misty knight at some point i didn't see her in the credits maybe it was all a lie are you asking me what episode she pops up in? No, but I just want to highlight that uh, in terms of theories, will she be a full cast member? I suppose we can put that one to bed in that she did not appear in the credits. Uh, I mean, oh, kind of of lesser interest is she didn't appear in the episode. You can certainly have a you know full-on cast member not, not show up in an episode. But, um, you know, it now makes me wonder as a theory moving forward. No, no, Pete, don't answer. 
don't ruin it but it makes me wonder moving forward you know do we get her for one episode for two episodes is it more than that you know time will tell i know a lot was made of danny rand showing up in season two of luke cage very very enjoyable episode but one episode nonetheless well i i could tell you but i've been told not to let's talk about the shipment matt what is it here we are pete the beginning of a beginning of a season mysteries abound what could the shipment be i mean the mind goes to kind of the the i don't want to say low-hanging story fruit but it depends what they want to do with the shipment i mean we've seen secret shipments that are you know the the child killer sent by the hand in daredevil season one the black also, sky the black sky indeed do you think davos is expecting another black sky um I would say I don't think he's expecting it at this point. I'm not picking that up. I would say at this early stage, maybe it's something more pedestrian like the drugs or the guns or something like that. And by the way, listeners, don't forget that usually when I have a good feeling about A or B and choose one, usually it's the other. <laughs> what about Colleen's moan box? It makes me smile, and here's why, Pete. She was perhaps the best character in season one, and also one that had a more interesting arc, uh, I dare say, than Danny in season one. Again, I don't mean to rehash the, the weaknesses of the first season in this second season, but I mention it to just say that if it's this opening to get to know her better, through family through whoever left it you know there's this again it's this this box which is very linked to her family uh that i very 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 much welcome because she's maybe the most interesting character out of my 14 episodes of iron fist that i've seen and i want to find out more about that what is joy's ploy here matt joy's ploy I read as more corporate than espionage. I don't think she's working with Davos in order to, you know, uh, blow up the supports around the Rand building and make it go boom or something like that. I, I think it's more that kind of boardroom stuff. Uh, how you achieve that by cashing out, that I don't completely understand. Um, although the flip side is I'm not particularly excited at the prospect of like, Oh man, Joy has assembled some people on the board, the board that we saw last season, and she's going to make a real boardroom ploy for some of that 49% because you can't in any way make Danny Rand own less than the majority of the company, and this is frustrating story territory. So whatever it is, hopefully she's smart about it. Hopefully she continues to be a smart, complex character. Um, she was probably... I'm thinking here. I mean, after Colleen, she was probably the second most. Oh, Harold was interesting too, but she Dude, has. Harold was hella interesting. Yeah. Well, that's because he was slowly descending into madness. <laughs> um, Joy is a character who, who I think was used well enough, but I look forward to her being used better this season. Uh, what is up with Mary from Wisconsin and these sticky notes in her apartment and the laughing? Well, this is where, of course, anybody who's taken a little peek at the character she plays knows that 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 it's uh, you know she's playing 
the, the comics character known as Typhoid Mary, and there's multiple uh, personalities going on in there. I would be interested to show Alice Eve's scenes to someone who did not know about the comics character. You know, maybe tell them, find this is a Marvel show, or have them see the whole episode, whatever it might be, and to see if the layperson would anticipate that this is a multiple personality thing. I suspect most people would, and here's why. If you come home and there's one creepy note, maybe you're like, oh, that silly significant other. But that second note, I don't remember the exact text, but it was something like, stop moving things around. That's it's, that, that's a direct quote. <laughs> well, there you go. It's at that point that you're like, okay, I need to call 911 because I think there's like a there's a there's a bad person in the house. Or in um, me. Well can you call nine one one on one of your other personalities? Well, and that's a good I think that's a good question. Does she know she has these multiple personalities? Alice Eve, who Pete, to mine eyes, is probably still in her twenties, although I suspect that probably uh, you know, the the traditional maths of times the earth has gone around the sun would put her closer at uh, the age of 36. Um, wow. Her birthday is very close to mine. As a matter of fact, her birthday, not her birth year. Anyhow, Pete, but I digress. Um, probably somebody who is Mary's age of late twenties, early thirties, perhaps mid thirties, uh, probably would know about the multiple personalities. This is a character. I can't wait to get to know better. And I kind of regret a little bit that we're following the, Jessica Jones mystery woman season two playbook here and didn't dig into, uh, into typhoid Mary faster. One serious one, one not so serious one from me to end it first serious, Matt. Why is Danny fighting a door? I think because somebody said, let's make it evocative and make him punchy and broody and uh, I'll quickly look up in the text I sent you earlier today. Furrowed brow and low light and grimacing <laughs> face. Um, you know, Pete, I hesitate to add this, but I will add it. Not because I feel that men and women in this world should, should live up to one, to one physicality or another to feel good about themselves. But you're going to hire Finn Jones to give him all this money. I feel like he should have been a little bit more beefed up in that scene at the end. Like, I was like, really? That's all you're... And look, Pete, uh, me personally, I, I, I'm, I'm not one that particularly, you know, is looking to see a, a gentleman's muscles or whatever, but kind of like, really? That's it? From the Iron Fist? After, like, all the training and then, like, the mission with the Defenders and then hanging out with Luke Cage? Like, that's it for physique? I mean, he's got the fist, man. Does he need much more... Uh, and a funny from me, Matt, when did Danny disappear? How long has he been gone? Uh, Pete, you know, it's a little difficult to tell without nine flashbacks to the airplane <laughs> sequence, which I think to be serious, I think we probably saw it about seven times in the 13 episodes of season one. So maybe we'll get that like only five times this season. How long has he been gone? Uh, stop answering or stop dodging the question and answer it. Um, about a wait since his initial. Uh, yes. How oh, long was he away? Oh, wasn't he? I don't know. Wasn't it about ten years? Fifteen years. 
Oh, right, because there's the whole delightful little thing about, I don't know about things like like SpongeBob. He's yeah. a sponge. And his name's Bob. When did SpongeBob debut? Oh, I bet you're going to say, and I'm just thinking over my head, SpongeBob probably debuted 20 years ago. 1999. Okay. So come on. We're expected to believe that a kid who disappeared in approximately 2000, 2001. Okay. Uh, although if it's 15 years and uh, season one dropped in 2017, then it would be 2002. And he wouldn't know who SpongeBob is. SpongeBob was an enormous hit by its second season. Matt, there are people in rooms called writers who should be able to research and write better than this. I should know I'm one of them. I heard an anecdote, and Pete, I can't tell you too much about it because it involves a show, and I can't say more than that. If Bob Keeley, if you're listening, you can back me up. But bottom line is this, Pete. Somebody connected with that show did another show with Mr. Lord and Miller. And the first person had a story about a Lord and Miller joint where they found problems with the script. And somebody higher up, a guy, told them, don't worry about that. No one cares. Uh, later, those problems were fixed without Lord and Miller if the insinuation was read properly by me. So bottom line is this, Pete. You care about this, and the story I told is a reminder that everybody should care about getting your story details straight because somebody cares, and the more you care about the little details, guess what happens to the big details, Pete? They all add up. They all add up to a better product. Boy, I would hate to be the guy that told Lord Miller nobody cares about little things like that, and then nobody cared about the movie. But I digress, Pete. Let's listen to some messages from the mystical city of Kun Lun. Pete, some responses on Twitter to this brand new season of Iron Fest. Uh, Miguel Contreras says, first episode was so good. Heart eye emoji. Uh, also, a tweet from Tam Sachdev. You guys are dropping some sick moves. Awesome fun. And uh, last tweet I will mention today at September Dusk. Definitely on the agenda for my weekend. Fist emoji. One other tweet, Matt, certainly want to point out. We had gotten a response from um, Henry David. Sounds like the new season has an intense start. How's the podcast schedule looking this season? Pete, we have a real simple answer to that uh, asked by our pal Henry. And uh, it's this, Pete. We're recording this on Friday. Starting this Friday, starting today, we're going to go uh, in the following order. Or if you want to know what the next one is, whatever. It's going to be Sunday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, so three a week. And uh, this time next week, we'll be on the fourth episode already. And uh, chug on through these ten episodes. Definitely a, a lighter feel to things, enjoying it and all that. And uh, I don't know, there's the schedule. Three a week until done. Yeah, the diminished episode order is interesting. It's a little less work on uh, our end. Uh, we've we've had 10 in some of the other shows, but Netflix pulling back from 13 to 10, it remains to be seen whether this is going to be the way for the Netflix Marvel shows 
moving forward. We got word today that Daredevil will have a panel now at New York Comic Con, which we will be in attendance of next month. So uh, perhaps some news there. Uh, but Matt, you just need to remember that unlike podcasts that also podcast Marvel Cinematic Universe TV properties, we actually podcast all the episodes. Indeed, no best intentions of they're going to, or so therefore you guys can't say that you do and they will, therefore that's the same Unfortunately not. Pete, let's dig in ever so slightly to this reduced episode order here. Uh, around this time last year, everybody at Netflix and everybody at Marvel was saying, Iron Fist is the most beloved thing from Marvel Netflix. Nay, the most beloved thing ever. Sliced bread, warm blankets. No, our data shows Iron Fist is so beloved. Um... I'm not sure how that's true, and they order less episodes. Uh, now, the answer could be as simple as, no, it really, really was beloved. We just want to, you know, like we don't see a financial, we Netflix don't see a financial difference between your your subscription value for 10 episodes versus 13. Eh, okay. I feel like it does ding the series a little bit, and it does ding Marvel Netflix a little bit. Here's the flip side. I think with the Disney streamer, tentatively, maybe, rumored to be called Disney Play, um, there's every reason why Netflix wants to hang on to Defenders. And maybe it was just like, hey, we can cancel everything if you want to risk that and you're not prepared to envelop four shows and a miniseries of new production into Disney Play. Uh, or we can do a reduced order so you're not making so much money off this and we still have a thing and it's all copacetic i don't know but it was it was no small shock to finally officially learn that it was only 10 episodes yeah it's certainly interesting that they've shed 23 percent of a season matt uh, compared to where they were before and like i said does this mean the same for the other shows, we'll just have to wait and see. If it doesn't, then, uh, hey, everybody step forward. Oh, not so fast, Iron Fist. You're not a complete defender. Well, hey, Pete, uh, you're saying that sometimes TV executives and PR people can lie to us, but what about when the head of ABC said, we love Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and season five was the best season yet and we want more of it? Uh, uh, that's why she renewed for season six even though she bought less and pete how about the the head of fox all those years ago that said we love alcatraz go ahead and have a surprise unresolved ending uh, but then he canceled it and wait a minute pete sometimes these people lie sometimes pr people lie sometimes they lie good how about brooklyn 99 getting upped to an 18 episode order uh from i believe 13 for their next season so you never know could work in the other direction it was curious though of all the shows for the first time that had a season of one number to get cut to the second that it would be iron fist though and yeah that strange metric last year that kept pointing to it being the most popular thing ever <laughs> more popular than the world's major religions, according <laughs> to Netflix. Anyhow, Pete, 
less popular than the world's major religions, but hopefully popular nonetheless. I think you have a review in your old mailbag there. Yes, the uh, Iron Fist podcast by Fantastic Geek account on iTunes was left a review by Tadland. Uh, and it's headlined excited for season two, five stars. And it reads, Hey guys, this is Tyler Adland. Uh, hence the username Norwegian left you a, left you guys a five-star review on the Luke Cage podcast. Can't wait to see the improvements in season two of Iron Fist with the dropping of Scott Buck. Just wanted to share something in reference to your sharing on how the Marvel producers are good about casting local New York talent. I watched the movie World Trade Center in which I saw four, count them, four actors who appear in the Marvel Netflix universe. Detective Scarf, Frank Castle, the old lying war vet who gets killed by Lewis, and the priest from Daredevil all appear in the film. Crazy, huh? Keep up the great work, guys. Well, first of all, thank you so much. You might think I'm going to say thank you for the review, and that's second. First is thank you for the awesome username there. That's just fantastic, and the and the, the name behind it and all that. But thank you, of course, for the kind words as well. Uh, it is interesting to think how some of these actors, you know, they've made the decision uh, to not to not head out to Hollywood and to work out in New York. Um, I don't know if that opens doors or closes doors in you know one career to the next obviously there's enough new york actors to to make it all happen um but again one of the gifts especially for marvel netflix is you get to see some of the same familiar faces had not stopped to think that of course you get that with other new york productions but that is of course part of the fun if mr yang isn't uh on that list he deserves to be on that list because that guy you know, he shows up, and if it's not menace, it's a little bit of charm that he brings to every scene he's in. He he definitely is a uh, – th- there's a certain charisma to him, no doubt. Well, Pete, keeping things afloat at the good old USS Fantastic Geek, it is, of course, our patrons on patreon.com slash fantasticgeek. Pete, there are times when life makes you and I separately want to go into our own abandoned subway stations and punch doors But you know what, Pete? We keep getting in front of the microphone because those listeners and those patrons are there making it happen. They help us feel like billionaires who, uh, you know, can just work at a moving company for a good, honest day's work. So everybody who contributes to patreon.com slash fantastic geek gets exclusive podcast content. And then there's all sorts of levels you can choose to contribute after that thanks again for helping us out pete i would note that those patrons make the podcast sound like it's made on the top floor of uh of the rand tower while we nonetheless keep the efficiency of the chikara dojo pete as we get forth in this season here how how can people be in touch with you to talk iron fist to talk marvel netflix to talk mcu to talk new york comic-con where we got plans to see pals old and new you can find me on twitter at peter p-i-e-t-e-r-j-k-t-e-l-a-a-r 9965 followers can't be wrong and while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Leave a comment on fantasticgeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, on Instagram, 
on Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word, like it today. As mentioned before, we're going to be back with episode 202 this Sunday. Until then, Pete, we got the whole back catalog on our pop culture podcast feed, uh, not just for Iron Fist, but for a whole bunch of other geeky goodness. We got all the Iron Fist stuff on its own Iron Fist podcast by Fantastic Geek. And, uh, of course, all the other MCU shows on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, on their own individual feeds. With that, Pete, I'm going to say adios to all the listeners and give you the final word. And don't forget about the traffic on the way to Jersey. It's a killer. Yeah.